This is a Federal News Network podcast. Einstein once said, if at first the idea is not absurd, then there's no hope for it. Well, the Air Force Research Laboratory seems to be taking that to heart. Air Force technology officials want to make sure that if they hear a good idea to solve a challenge, they'll be able to bring that idea to fruition. Through the lab's Air and Space Force's Science and Technology Front Door Project, officials hope to nurture partnerships with S&T experts to do just that. For more, Federal News Network's Eric White spoke with two of the lab's science and technology leads, Elizabeth Escamilla and Brian McJilton. One of the big things that we've learned out of the S&T strategy early on, or at least the strategy efforts early on, through a lot of our engagements with academia and industry, through what we called ideation events, was was several things. We are, we are not a known commodity out in the ecosystem today. What I mean is AFRL um, is not that broadly well-known within the S&T ecosystem as you would see a, a NASA or another large organization. And so as we started having engagements uh, with universities and, and other small businesses, it became very apparent that many of these uh, organizations really were very uh, ill-equipped to understand what our needs were or even to understand what our mission is as an Air Force organization. Air Force organization supporting two services, both the Air and the Space Force. So we have uh, underneath the SMT tasking and the strategy implementation uh, identified a number of lines of efforts that helped us uh, take action against a lot of the, the go-dos that we're seeing in the S&T strategy. And primarily a lot of our go-dos had the, the focus on how we develop and deliver transformational capabilities and we have a new organization that was stood up to help support that, which is called the Transformational Capability Office. But underneath Objective 3, which was deepening and expanding the ST enterprise, we had a number of initiatives that were looking at how do we engage differently with the ST ecosystem? How do we enable ourselves to better connect uh, with that ecosystem to elicit their ideas, elicit their inputs, their thoughts, and even their solutions, and bring those to the right people inside defense to determine whether or not uh, we can continue to collaborate and partner with these folks to deliver new solutions, new capabilities that are not only going to address maybe some of the capabilities we have with our Air Force and our Space Forces today, but also deliver new capabilities that are going to give us considerable uh, advantages over adversaries in in the future for for our warfighters. And, and that, quite honestly, is one of the key things that were, was done out of S&T 23 strategy was the development of the Air Force TechConnect capability. Yeah, Liz, can you tell me specifically about these kinds of relationships that are being formed through this front door model? So, you know, I'm going to take I'm going to kind of take one step back before I actually go into kind of the relationships that are being formed, just to kind of give a little bit more detail on kind of the, you know, science and technology front door. You know, the, the S&T front door or, or Tech Connect, it, it was developed by Air Force Research Lab, and it was developed as a service to connect potential partners with both Air Force and Space Force science and technology, not only experts, but also opportunities. Because, you know, it, you know, when you read the strategy and you understand, you know, where it specifically talks about, you know, the front door that's under objective three and Brian was just talking about that. There's a sub objective under um, objective three. Objective three was the, um, Oh, expand the the science and technology ecosystem. There's drive innovation through these partnerships so that we need to leverage industry 
um, small business, entrepreneur, individual, um, ideas, technologies, tools, uh, solutions, uh, and bring them into the Air Force Space Force to have more potential uh, transformational impact. So, you know, a lot of the problem sets that described in the strategy, it says that, you know, uh, many potential partners have difficulty in navigating our structure. They don't know how to connect to us, connect with us. So, you know, I always say that, you know, we listened. We, we, we saw that. We saw it was pointed out in the strategy. We listened and we've improved. We built a business model. Model. And that's where the front door TechConnect has come from. And over the last 18 months, we've evolved this uh, Air Force and Space Force TechConnect website to have that more comprehensive look into the science and technology ecosystem and so that we can improve how we're connecting potential partners to ensure those innovations have that trans transformational impact. So when you ask me about, you know, how we are doing these um, partnerships, so, you know, we're, we're, finding and seeing partnerships happen and collaborations happen happening through the unsolicited idea submission intake um pipeline. So it is an idea pipeline. It's a new business model where you use the website, you have a human in the loop, we have a tech connect team that that um, triages that looks at that reviews every submission that comes through the um, front door through the Tech Connect website um, and provide feedback. They pull the thread on the technology or the solution or the submission uh, that's coming through to better understand exactly what the um, capabilities are. Um, and then if, with discussions, even amongst the team, um, is there value added in continuing those discussions and setting up meeting with certain program areas with certain subject matter experts um, to really uh, see if there are potential uh, collaborations or potential partnerships that may happen uh, moving forward. How important is that connection in the AFRL's overall mission and, and maintaining relationships with new innovators and not just going back to the well for, you know, some of the people that you're more familiar with? Um, Brian, maybe you might have some insight on that one. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, it's huge. Um, and so, you know, again, I'll, I'll reflect back to one of the things that was just an eye opener to me early on in our S&T 2030 uh, engagements, you know, we, we had these ideation events to where we brought our SMEs out external to the laboratory, and we conducted these events at universities where we were bringing uh, scientists from, from regions of the United States to converge on different challenge technical topics uh, and collaborating through multidisciplinary discussions, uh, ways uh, that we could attack the challenge through uh, convergence of solutions of ideas. And, um, you know, that was an eye-opener to, I mean, our SMEs are always looking at, you know, what is new and evolving out in the ecosystem. And they are very aware and very, uh, you know, uh, engaged in cross-multidisciplinary discussions and through research and, and other activities. But it would just really highlight the fact that, you know, we can, like you said, we can continue to go back to the same well with, some of the, the trusted key innovators that we work with, but there is always new, fresh ideas that are emanating out of universities and the business sectors, because again, competition is huge out in the business sector and they are always looking at what is going to give them advantage over their other competitors to, to keep their business going, right? And so we, as S&T innovators ourselves, have to continually be connected into that ecosystem to, to leverage those, those innovative ideas. Liz, any success stories that come to mind when you think of how well this program has worked? Oh, you know, absolutely. There's, you know, quite a few. Maybe I can just highlight, um, you know, two that I've seen, you know, definitely in the uh, kind of the more recent 
um, submissions. So there was a, a small business submission that came through uh, you know, the Tech Connect website, and uh, it was uh, definitely more on the uh, sensor side. And we had a subject matter expert from sensors say, hey, you know what? There's a, there's a really cool uniqueness to what they're doing. And actually what they're doing is a maybe I'm, gonna, I'm just going to call it like solution A and solution B. They bring solution B to the table and we're already working with another company that has solution A. And if we can get these two companies to work together, which ultimately they did, they signed non-disclosure agreements and together they had a capability that met an Air Force gap. So, you know, of course, you know, that's a that's a raw, raw win, but it wouldn't have been ideal identified if we didn't have the transparency that we had in this platform, that submission either maybe just not on this time frame would have reached um, Air Force Research Labs, but it might have actually maybe reached um, kind of the wrong connection person. When I say connection person is, you know, prior to having this platform, uh, somebody may come to Liz and say, hey, I have this wonderful tool, technology, and idea. And I'm pretty well connected with an Air Force Research Lab. However, I'm also limited to my own personal Rolodex of Connections. So it might have been like, hey, that sounds cool, but, you know, either I tried to connect or I couldn't find a connection. You know, sorry, that might have been turned away, you know, unintentionally, whereas this 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 method, this business model allows that transparency so that other folks can see. Um, and so that census director was like, you know, this was great. So they just, you know, have a, an Air Force um, kind of capability potentially being met through the combination of these two companies. Another one was one of our large um, um, kind of industry partners. Um, who had already worked with Air Force Research Lab before, um, their R&D department heard through word of mouth about Tech Connect and they said, huh, first of all, they wanted to challenge us. And so they submitted for uh, kind of different um, um, ideas. Some of them were very basic research and another one was a, a higher kind of technology readiness le level to see if it was ready for incorporation into Air Force. Um, you know, there was a uniqueness there. Another Tech Connect team member said, you know, hey, I want to jump on a call with them instead of giving them four separate feedback. Let's go ahead and get on a phone call. And after that discussion happened, I can't talk about the kind of idea or technology because they're still, you know, working on it, but they gave technical feedback um, as far as the direction. And that industry partner said that was an awesome experience. Thank you very much for the time and effort. And by the way, we got back to them within 24 hours. They said that was a wonderful direction. And what we're doing is we're going to pivot the direction we were going. It doesn't completely change our R&D direction, but what we are going to do now, we'll be back to y'all in about a year. Um, and we are closer to meeting the mark now after this discussion than where we were before this discussion. Elizabeth Escamilla and Brian McJilton are leads for Science and Technology 2030 Tech Connect Project at the Air Force Research Laboratory speaking with Federal News Network's Eric White. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. 
Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970 and then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions 
without a lot of guidance in some cases and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision. 
Come one, shop all at the JCPenney Friends and Family Sale. Through Wednesday, use your 30% off coupon inside the JCP app and shine on with up to 60% off diamond solitaires and studs. Plus, get carried away with up to 70% off luggage from Samsonite, American Tourister, Skyway, and more. Anyone shops, everyone saves. We got your holiday. JCPenney. Offers valid on select items through 12-7. Offers reflect after coupon savings. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details.